0: State Street, one of the largest custody banks in the world, has yet to launch a service to store crypto assets, but that doesn't mean the Boston-based firm isn't making waves when it comes to digital assets. On this episode of The Scoop, we spoke to Jay Biancamano, Managing Director of Digital Product Development and Innovation at the firm, about the opportunities State Street sees in the market. The 25-year-plus financial services veteran also shared stories about his time in U.S. equity market structure, explained why the firm isn't in the Bitcoin custody business yet, and how blockchain can make multi-asset trading finally a reality. I hope you enjoy the episode. We'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor Cash App. Cash App has been the number one finance app on the App Store for almost two years. It was also the first major peer-to-peer payments app to support Bitcoin and it's still the fastest and easiest way to turn cash into crypto. Cash App now supports Bitcoin deposits in-app, so be sure to move your Bitcoin from whatever wallet you're using to Cash App. Don't have any to deposit? Cash App is also the most convenient way to instantly buy and sell Bitcoin. No more waiting five days for your ACH transfers to come through. With Cash App, you can buy Bitcoin instantly. When you're ready to take full ownership of your private keys, just use Cash App to scan an external wallet's QR code, It's really that simple. Cash App also comes with standard banking features like direct deposits and others your bank would never even consider. Like Cash Card, a customizable debit card that lets you instantly save every time you use it at Lyft, Whole Foods, and places like Chick-fil-A. It's also a favorite of The Block's analyst, Steven Zhang. He saves money at Chipotle every time he gets a burrito. That keeps Stephen happy, that keeps The Block happy, and that keeps the crypto world informed with the best news and research in the entire market. Download Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining, on, joining us on what is a very special episode of The Scoop. I am joined, of course, by Ryan Todd, researcher at The Block, and all the way from Hillsborough, New Jersey... James Biancamano, how'd I do? You did well. I go by Jay, though. We'll call him Jay. He's okay. part of State Street's global technology services uh, business, leading a lot of the folks at the company, at State Street, one of the largest uh, custodial banks in the world, leading folks on digital assets, blockchain, and some of the people who are thinking and kicking the tires on Bitcoin. But as we talked about before we turned the mics on, Jay is interested more so in what blockchain and tokenization can do for myriad of assets as opposed to just the Bitcoin. Exactly. And why is that?
1: Well, you know, if you think about... You're going to have
0: a lot of Bitcoiners listening to this who might, you know...
1: And we're not talking long or shorter pro or con Bitcoin here. We're we're talking digital assets. And Bitcoin is the first iteration of a global digital asset. So if you think about how the way Bitcoin trades, um, our thesis is that all assets will eventually trade on a blockchain, right? They'll all be digital assets. So if you think about that, and you think about a global custodian like State Street, or you think about a large um, exchange like NASDAQ or New York Stock Exchange, it changes the way institutions individuals and pretty much the global economy trades going forward so for us it's more of a future play to look at you know how this market's going to evolve and if you know if we went back two years ago obviously the conversation was all bitcoin bitcoin was going from you know fifteen hundred to fifteen thousand dollars and we had to focus refocus people and say no it's not about bitcoin because bitcoin's a single asset it's like saying you know everyone trades apple right but there's five thousand other issues and in theory that's just equities there's bonds there's 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 loans um, and there's also these emerging assets right the democratization of assets. So we're we're thinking of this in a broader scope We're thinking about this as a way the market is going to shift. Um, is it going to shift overnight No but there's historic precedent we could talk about that and that's how we're looking at it.
0: And when we think about I think when I talk to people um, in the context of cryptocurrency and State Street, they're one of the firms that is mentioned when talking about what what is holding institutional investors back from diving into cryptocurrency markets. They're not going to custody with some firm with "bit" in their name or that's registered in South Dakota. Not to pick on our good friends at Bitco, but it's a reality. I think um, mm-hmm. they want State Street to be um, to be that brand name behind whatever custodian solution there is. With that being said, um, I guess my question is, that doesn't seem to be the focus. Custodying, you know, cryptocurrency specifically, Is it or is it not a focus for State Street?
1: It's a piece of it. It's a piece of it. I mean, obviously, when you look at certain types of tokens, utility tokens are out of scope, but cryptocurrencies could be in scope. Uh, Digital assets, securitized assets, are in scope. So those are the things we're looking at. Um, You know, we're... Intensely led by our clients. And our clients, right now, the ones that we deal with, are not investing in cryptocurrencies. And for a number of reasons. Obviously, regulation has to do with it. Um, And custody is one piece of it. We know that the SEC had come out and said, you know, a traditional custodian uh, gets into the game. You know, we'd have to look more closely at that. But for somebody like State Street, we're led by our clients. So, you know, the way we do custody. Um, And I tell people, you know, there's nothing sexy or really original about custody. It's what we do for our clients' assets, the way we service them, the way we provide funding. That's really what we do. So we think about um, Bitcoin the way it's custody right now. I mean, we're not going to have somebody with a gun and a, you know, a laptop that's not connected electronically to anything uh, for cryptocurrencies. That's not how we do things. What we want to do is make sure our clients are seamlessly able to invest in any Asset traditional, digital, and we're able to provide those services like we do everything else. So people when they ask, you know, what is this gonna to mean to me, especially asset managers, what is this gonna to mean to me, you know, going you know, in the future if everything's digitized? And I kind of say hopefully nothing. Hopefully, you know, the nuts and bolts that you're used to, we're in the background, we're taking care of that, and you know, we want to make your experience as seamless as possible. So you know, if and when uh, digital ads are more of if than a when. Um, but you know, when digital assets are in vogue and our clients are moving in that direction, we want to be prepared to move in that direction as well.
0: So what exactly right now are you doing for clients in this space at this moment? Uh, great question.
1: We are actually partnering with our clients. We are doing a number of proof of concepts. We're looking at um, several areas. We're looking at trading. Uh, We're looking at fund administration, which is what we do. We're looking at custody. Um, So we're investigating all those areas. and, And many of the clients are taking the point of view where, okay, I want to see where this market plays out. But there are some very astute clients, you know, Chasm crossers that are out there. And they're saying, you know, we want to partner with you to look at... Custody. We want to partner with you to look at issuance. We want to partner with you to look at trading, and we're we're embracing these. And we're you know we're looking at these you know, proof of concepts, these test uh, cases where we can say, okay, what can we do and what can we learn? And we're really in that learning phase. We're not, you know, we're we've been very um, quiet about what we're doing because we want to be able to move correctly. We want to be able to move in a way that our clients are comfortable with, and like I said, we want to move with our clients and. There are some clients that are really well ahead of the curve, um, and there's some institutions that are really ahead of the curve. You said
0: in in 2018 in December at a conference here in New York um, that there was no sense of urgency to move into digital assets. Mm -hmm. That was 2018. um, Noting, however, a high level of interest. What's changed since then, if anything? Uh, Nothing's changed, and that was the
1: Crypto Evolved Conference, obviously. I think that was it.
0: No, it was, um, I think, American Banker.
1: American Banker. Okay, yes, the block one. Okay. Um, So I just want to make sure which one I was referring to. But um, no, really nothing's changed. The interest is still out there. Um, The regulatory landscape has not really moved that quickly. Um, And the interest in digital assets has shifted, and it's interesting. Um, So when we had that conversation, when we were talking about that back then, the interest was really around cryptocurrencies. What has changed is the interest around illiquid assets. The conversation has moved from cryptocurrencies and and the Bitcoins and the like, um, to real estate, to intellectual property, to, you know, digital assets for non-traditional investments like art, and we're seeing a number of issuers and proof of concepts around that. So that conversation has shifted, and that has really um, resulted in more inbound calls uh, from these issuers, from, you know, people looking to provide these assets to our clients. But our clients are still a little, I would say, um, skeptical about, you know, how to proceed in this market, because there's a, all of these assets that are, are coming live are resulting in you know, disparate pools of liquidity, um, and the quality is really not what they're used to. And I think that's one of the things not people are not talking about. There are tokens being issued. There are digital assets being et- issued. Quality right now is not really where there's a lot of institutional interest, or it's a little clunky or cumbersome to in, you know um, invest in them, trade them, and you know it's not as seamless as you know what they're
2: used to.
0: That's interesting.
2: Um, I'm curious to learn more about just kind of the profile of these clients that you're saying are approaching, State Street, um, and even the Chasm chasers or closers. Um, what, what type of problems are they looking to solve specifically?
1: Uh, it's interesting. I mean, a lot of clients are investing in a lot of these you know, blockchain solutions. Uh, we've we've seen that. Um, they're actually wondering how certain assets will trade, uh, ETFs, uh, mutual fund shares, um, uh, limited partnership shares. So, you know, they have a lot of holdings. Um, and they feel that you know, there is more efficiencies that could be derived out of a, you know, a peer-to-peer market, uh, a, a kind of a peer-to-peer market that's kind of supervised. Um, so they're talking to us about that. You know, what, what role could we play? Could we play the role of a custodian in, in this? Or you know, what new roles come out of this? Um, and what I'm doing is saying, you know, it's kind of, a, and I, I mentioned a historic precedent earlier. Um, the precedent is in, a, in the late 90s, When we moved from materialization to dematerialization. Um, One of the technologies that came out of that was fixed technology, right? So you guys are well aware of fixed technology. You know, what happened with fixed technology? It's it's very interesting. Um, Fixed technology allowed for data to be captured in orders. And then on the equity side, um, that data was used to create dark pools, created algorithms, created TCA, created analysis. Whole new industries and companies came out of that. We're looking at the same thing, you know. We're talking to our clients about that. You know, what does the digital landscape provide? Because we know, you know, in a in a dematerialization phase, processes got faster and scalable. So we're doing billions, but we're still doing the same processes. In a digital world, a lot of those processes go away, right? If you think about transfer agency, for example, transfer agency on a blockchain is pretty much immediate, right? You know, you know who the owner is uh, upon a transaction. So, what's transfer agency? What role does that play going forward? Um, you know, hypothecation of securities, right? You know, if you're a global custodian, how do you hypothecate a, a token, right? So these are these are the things that we're these are the challenges, but also, what other products could come out of that? And you know, one of the things that really people have to understand is, the asset intelligence that's built into a digital token can be used um, any number of ways, smart contracts, right? So there's a lot of opportunity that we're looking at right now, and that's what our clients are talking about. What else can we do out there? What does this market mean for us? Does this mean we have to invest in blockchain type of you know, a technology, or is there something that we're gonna be able to use from U State Street or, or other third parties?
0: What do you think the first product is?
1: Um, that's a great question. I, you know, I've thought about this. I'm not gonna talk about products that are go away, uh, because you know there's there's people that are still doing them, but I think the uh, I think the asset intelligence, I think the ability to um, understand the supply and demand curve built into an asset uh, will enhance the ability to do pricing uh, immediately, especially for illiquid securities. So if you think about the way um, you know some of these are, let's use art for an example, a painting, right, is um, priced once every time at auctions, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you digitize that painting, you could sell thousands of pieces of it, right? In in Bitcoin's called Satoshis. I don't know what we'll call them in the, uh, in the, uh, in the liquid asset world. But you could sell pieces. Van Goshes. So Van, Gauchis Van Gauchis. Or, um So how do, you, how do you know that asset intelligence built into that? So you can see that sub- supply and demand curve real time. And you can actually get better pricing. Uh, based on that, and that's just for liquid securities. If you think about traditional securities, um, some of the you know less liquid ones, certainly swaps and other derivatives, um, that asset intelligence is going to allow for more pricing, more in- increase in you know seeing how it's priced, seeing how it's traded, and having people understand it. And you know eventually you'll see the convergence of AI um, incorporated into you know um, digital assets. So you know I think you know is there a Product that will come out of this, you know, if I had one, I probably wouldn't tell you guys because you know, obviously we have people listening. But uh, I think there will be pretend some interesting like no pretend like no one's listening. I mean, you think about TCA, right? TCA was didn't trade exist. cost analysis. Trade cost analysis. So yeah. I'm sorry. Trade cost analysis didn't exist, but when you Are did, you impressed that I knew that.
2: I, I'm very impressed. <laughs> Fintech Frank. Uh,
1: but when when we came up with trade cost analysis at, at ITG, um, we said, Wow, this is great right? We could actually benchmark pricing. And then people said, well, if you could benchmark pricing, could you write a program that trades to that benchmark? And that became algorithms, right? No one thought of algorithms in the middle 90s. Now, nobody trades without algorithms. We trade four, five, six billion shares a day, and most of them on algorithms. And then people using algorithms said, oh, can I use that to jump in front of something? And then you had high-frequency trading, right? So... This market is going to, and I'm not saying they're all going to have these, you know, these these, uh, surreptitious type of um, advantages like high frequency trading people believe they have, but I think there's going to be advantages to the buy side. There's going to be advantages to uh, people that are using these, uh, trading these assets because of the asset intelligence built into it.
0: What do you think of the um, acquisition by virtue of ITG?
1: Um, I had a lot of friends at ITG. I was there. A lot of concerns that
0: you don't have those firewalls in place that will keep the HFT side of the business from peeking into what ITG is doing on behalf of
1: asset managers and the like? That's a great question, but you know, I'm, um, I'm not going to give an opinion on yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. I figured I might as well ask.
0: Um, I actually asked Doug Sifu that question in an interview when I was at Business Insider and... Um, they they what they did was they're the plan. I don't know what the update is, but at the time they were saying how they were going to build a global commission of overseers to to keep them in check, which kind of reminds me of Libra and how um, Of oh, the uh, Facebook. Uh, yeah, and how had. that will sort of be kept at bay, or at least keep Facebook at arm's length from totally controlling this thing. But anyway, that's a tangent. We, we might no, no, we it's, might, an,
1: it's an interesting you know the parallel I could I could talk about with that is you know. Financial services is a data play now, right? It's a data. Well, we play. talked
0: about it before we turned the mics
1: on. Yeah. yeah. So you know, it, if there's you know not just that acquisition, but if you look at um, you know other acquisitions that have occurred um, recently, it's you know there, it's a data play. Um, you know, I know, you, what is Google and Microsoft? Well, that's and, what, Charles River. Right? Charles, The Charles River acquisition, right? So we're, we're a data provider, right? We have, you know, an immense amount of data that we can provide to the buy side and work with, you know, we we got that last mile through Charles River.
0: Just a little context, I guess, for the listener, right? Because they might, a lot of people, most even casual observers of financial markets might have missed this acquisition, which was over a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was a big deal at the time, at least um when I was at my seat uh, at Business Insider, um, a lot of people were skeptical of the, of, the, of the move. The stock, I think, was down in the first couple days of trading. Um, but it was a pretty meaningful move. So what do you think um, that acquisition um, has meant for the side of the business that you touch and how has it changed it?
1: Um, it's actually a great acquisition for us. As a matter of fact, we will be, we'll be talking to our Charles River clients next week uh, about digital assets and what's Let's going Let's talk on.
0: a little bit about, I guess, the difference between what Charles River was doing and State Street and then maybe uh, dive into it.
1: Sure. So Charles River was an order management system. Uh, I partnered with them when I was at LiquidNet with uh, Ez Castle and Bloomberg and everybody else. So I knew about 60 of them out there. So I knew what the power of an order management system was and how you could exploit that from a, from a data provider. So you know, when you think about where State Street was, we were the custodian firm, the you know, largest global asset managers, but we didn't have a desktop presence, right? So this is a desktop presence. So it's a front to back play for us. Uh, and able to be that front to back provider when we talk about um, digital assets, when we talk about AI moving, it's a great position to have, and we're, we're kind of excited at some of the ideas we're, we're kicking around around that, especially in digital assets.
0: And it brings you from that sleepy corner of Wall Street that a lot of people don't necessarily uh, care about, to or not necessarily care is not the right word, but get excited about maybe, to throughout the throughout the entire um, life cycle, I, probably not the right word, but back, middle, front office. Yeah,
1: and and we believe that you know there's going to be a uh, the, that that. There's going to be a shift you know what does the front office look like in five years um, certainly if you think about digital assets right now there's not many providers for institutional order management systems right and there's even less um,
0: Charles River should Charles,
1: and there's less you know intellectual um, property around portfolio management would asset with digital assets so Imagine being the pioneer in that or be able to offer something there when institutions start trading it. I mean, this you know, modeling your portfolio five years from now. You know, right now people model their portfolio and they say, you know, give me 35 equity, give me 50 bonds, give me, you know, 15 cash. Is that up to 100? I hope it does. Um, portfolio five years from now, it's going to be, you know, give me 10% real estate, give me, you know, 5% art, give me 3% intellectual property, give me 35%. Equity. So how do you model all that into it? If you're at the forefront of that, you could figure out ways to provide new products, new services around that. And that's really the exciting thing, I think. Certainly from my point of view, and I, I believe the, the state. You think there's
0: more that. opportunity um, to innovate or to build businesses in digital assets from the Charles River side, the order management system side versus the custody side?
1: Um, I don't see it as disparate. I see that as a single a single platform. Uh, and that's what we're, we're moving towards. You know, we announced the Alpha platform, which is our you know, front-to-back uh, strategy, um, and we're an integral part of that. So if you think about you know, providing data and ideation around equities, um, we're gonna do the same thing around you know, perhaps cryptocurrencies or some other digital assets as well. So from us, we should be um, agnostic to what the asset is and look more to how we provide that data to our front end.
2: Let's talk about the competitive landscape. I guess other peers uh, in your line of of, of your of work um, and what they're looking to explore. How does that differ from your digital asset strategy? Um,
1: we haven't been that public about what we're looking at. Um, you know, we've you've, you've heard me talk about where we're looking right now. I know Boney's announced a number of initiatives. Northern Trust um, Santander has actually just issued a front-to-end bond. Um, we're kind of. We, I think we're. You know, I like to think we're a little head technology-wise uh, because we had such, you know, good guidance and, we, you know, we have a, a, a pretty robust um, uh, blockchain group at State Street. Um, so I don't think anyone is actually leading the way. I think there's a lot of
2: Very interesting... Very still.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think uh, Wells Fargo, I think, announced today that they're going to be, um, going to be an internal coin. You have J.P. Morgan coin. Yep. So I think everybody is kind of putting the feelers out about what's going on out there. I like to think that... Um, we're eventually going to have to work together, and you know, one of the articles I published a long time ago was, you know, the answer to the blockchain is going to be interoperability. It's going to be co-opetition as opposed to somebody winning this. So, you know, I look very closely at what our competitors are doing. And we talk to them. I mean, we we have a you a very good dialogue going with you know all our competitors because you know we're kind of these little you know digital asset blockchain people and all these little you know firms, and we kind of you know we see each other at conferences. Space is
2: pretty small. You definitely <laughs> yeah. see everyone at conferences. Yeah. I love conferences. The blockchain specific conferences. Oh yeah. Enterprise blockchain. Christine Moy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it, what do you What do you think of What do you think of some of these developments? Um?
2: You mentioned the banks. I think that's something that's pretty interesting. Mm. Something that you guys could probably be involved with in some capacity, yeah, right? The bank network. IIN at J at JPMorgan.
1: Yeah, I mean we're we're part of finality, which is the utility settlement core. Yeah, so yeah. we're part of that initiative. Uh, there's there's other initiatives people are kicking around. Um, you know, I think like I said a lot of people are learning and you know, there's been a lot of investment from a lot of people. Now people want to see, you know, what's what does this mean? You know, how 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 is this going to play out and I, and I, and I think, you know, the um, the incumbents have a good um, beachhead, but I think a lot of these startups are, you know, I They have some pretty interesting proposals, pretty interesting, you know, businesses. Uh, You know, I could call out Fidelity, for example, you know, Fidelity Digital Assets, Coinbase, Kingdom Trust. Um, They're all out there looking at the institutional markets as well. So, you know, you really have to think about, you know, it's not just going to be, you know, us and seven other banks. You have 30 others that are out there looking to get into the space as well.
0: But if you did the custody play a year ago, two years ago, the opportunity was so ripe i mean the fees on that business were over 100 basis points could have made money hand over fist saying hey we state street will custody your assets we'll, we'll do 50 basis points and you know we all kind of come out as winners why didn't you do that? <laughs> none of our clients wanted, and none of our clients are in it. What so about I'm sure clients? I could have. I should have new clients. Then? Well,
1: you know, we have a criteria. If a new client had come in, and you know, there is a they may meet our qualifications. I mean, we're you know, we're we don't have a front it's, door. It's on, funny. You know? It's <laughs> funny not to inter, not
0: to interrupt, but sure. I think your point is 100 percent right, and it's what Tom Lee actually brought up yesterday on the podcast, which was there's two things keeping this market out. It's not necessarily custody, but the fact that the market is just too small. So the relative clients other assets, yeah. just who would get FaceTime with you, you know, I- yeah, relative to other assets, it, Bitcoin cryptocurrencies are just too small to engage in the reputational risk or or um, waste the time and resources to create some sort of view on where, where it's heading. Yeah. Um, what do you think will be the first thing? So, I, I think it's fair to say, reading between the lines, that State Street's not going to custody Bitcoin anytime soon. I would say I would agree with that statement. So, but you're very interested in blockchain, and we've had a whole conversation about um, ser- d- different assets that could be um, tokenized. What then is. What would then be the first asset that would be?
2: You talked about quality. Like, what what actually drives better quality on these on these deals and desires to tokenize new assets?
1: I mean, we're we're seeing some better quality um, assets coming out. Uh, certainly, in a real estate market, it's it's less about individual type of assets and more about real estate managers getting into the business, which is really where institutional investors are looking right now. So the larger, you know, the top 50 investment management firms tokenization. I know a number of them are public about that. So so in the you know alternative space, that's really where you'll probably see it. In the traditional space, it's probably going to be you know the syndicated loans, right? I think that's an area where people have tested. we know that Overstock just announced a, a dividend, right? I want to In talk the, uh, about this. Yeah. I think this is the most fascinating
2: story. <laughs> He's been
0: yelling at me all day for not writing about it. I'm pissed. I, I, I don't understand it. it. I don't understand what's going on.
1: They're, they're doing a digital asset, a dividend, and if you it's are- It's wild. And this is
2: like going back to the whole uh, SEC lending stuff, the issues that they had a couple of years ago. Uh, too many people tried to borrow the the shares that didn't exist. Um, but, uh, yeah, the Overstock stuff's really interesting. I don't know.
1: Yeah, and you know we're looking at that closely, too, because you know we do custody, you know, Equities for a number of asset managers. So, what does that mean for us? So, that's a uh, we'll we're, we're, you know we um, we have some you know internal conversations going around that how are we going to service those assets. Um, you know, quality is going to come out to you know when um, the market is, figures out how it's more efficient because really it's you know digital assets are not a um, an efficiency play, but it's a lower cost way of, of going public. You know, um, so I, I joked with people and uh, you know maybe. Um, and this is a joke, you know, if, if Uber went public as a digital asset, um, I'm sure that would have moved a lot of people to figure out how to move into this market, but that didn't happen. But now you have, you know, dividends, and, and if it's more efficient to do a dividend or a corporate action um, with a digital asset, which I think it does, um, that's going to, you know, that, that might move things more quickly. Um, but again, it's, we're only going to move as quickly as our clients want us to move, right? So, um, but I do like the syndicated loan markets. It's going to move like from liquid you know, illiquid, interesting alternative investments to more illiquid investments, but it's gonna be trickle, trickle, flood. Um, you know, if you remember, we talked about the age of dematerialization, um, the regulators came out and said, okay, as of this point, everything has to be put on an electronic ledger. No more coupon clipping, no more, no more bearer bonds. Um, do I see that happening in digital assets? Probably, um, and I'll say this probably because the the ability to um, for a regulator to tap into the digital asset ecosystem is far more efficient than the way they do it now. You, I'm sure you've written stories about oats and cat, um, you know, and trying to figure
2: well, out. What's that was going in response out. also to the ETF that didn't get passed yesterday. Yeah, the yeah.
1: no shared market surveillance. Exactly. So you know, being able to do market surveillance. Do you on think the cat will ever happen? Uh, <laughs> so you so. I'm out of that world yeah. but it was uh, it was a you know I think it's a proverbial nightmare. I mean I was not a big fan of the uh, the tick pilot I you know I personally felt it was you know the reason for it was completely wrong because um, it had nothing to do with issuances uh, and this is just my personal opinion it had nothing to do with it with issuances and in, in, in the public uh, but you know what people found a correlation there and figured, oh, let's see how test it out so so do I think the cat will ever happen um, I don't know. I haven't actually read about it recently since I've been in the digital world. It's great. (laughs) So I love about this new asset world. And it's funny. A lot of people who have equities backgrounds, I run into now because they're in this world.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, a thousand percent. Like I mean, I think of people like, you know. Greg Tussar, former global head of, you know, Greg was a partner of mine at Liquidnet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's insane. Uh, Dave Weisberger, you know, Mm -hmm. who like built electronic trading at Citigroup, is now doing an OMS type of thing. I guess that's an ornament. Uh, Uh, Crypto uh, coin coin routes, coin routes, coin routes. Um, They're scattered all around the entire market, trying to, you know, I don't know if it's plug and play. What happened in equities into crypto market structure, which you can argue about whether or not that's effective or whether or not it more closely resembles FX or, or commodities or whatever have you. Um, but we know what we did wrong in the equity markets and I think that's what, what we're did trying we do to do wrong. What's the learning that we can implement um, into I, I digital think it assets? Really, you
1: know, I think it really came down to you know, what were the unintended, unintended consequences, right? You know, how does the market become more efficient? So you have to, you, you kind of in the, in, the, um, in the Reg ATS days, you know, Reg ATS regulation was reactive. Reg NMS was reactive. And I think the way you know, the, the regulators now, at least the ones you know, we've been talking to, are proactive. They want to know how this market works too. And they've been doing a really good job. People, people say you know, they've been regulating by enforcement. I'm, you know, yes, they're regulating by enforcement for you know, a lot of the bad actors, obviously all the ICOs, but as far as really efficiency, looking at the market, efficiently looking at the market, they're well ahead of the game. And I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the, with the approach they've been taking. Um, And certainly, you know, globally, you know, um, there's a lot of cooperation between regulators now because if you think about Bitcoin, it's the first 24-7 asset that's traded, right? So it's the same asset you trade in, you know, Abu Dhabi is the same asset you trade in the U.K. is the same asset you trade in the U.S. So there's a lot of, you know, interaction between the regulators. So I think lesson one is get ahead of what's going on. Um, Don't inhibit innovation, but also cooperate. Don't, Don't, you know, don't wait for something to happen. Don't wait for it to be too late.
2: To that point, what's the biggest roadblock from U.S. regulatory standpoint that's preventing um, that's preventing any of this new development from coming to be?
1: Um, I think a lot of it comes down to def- definitions, right? What, what what does it mean to custody? You know, what does it you know, We saw the Interp, um,
0: you know, back Qualified in June. custodian. Yeah. Interp- yeah. And, you know, it's really comes and down, down to— And what are these assets, right? What like, we like know, what, what is a stablecoin, for instance? Is it a currency? Is it— a you know if you look at something like uh, Leo or BNB, it, it's hard to put into one into Bucket, one yeah. category. Libra especially. You think about Libra. It's a, is Libra an ETF? Because you think about it,
1: yeah. it's kind of like an ETF. When so, it's it really comes down to definition. And I think the guidance that we've been um, um, kind of understanding and the guidance that we will be giving, I think, is it, it's refreshing to uh, to me to be cooperating with regulators around this. So we're we're very happy about that. I
0: so feel, you, yeah, go ahead, Ryan. You
2: are in conversation with regulators, though, just... Uh, oh, as always. I okay. mean, we're a bank, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but on, on digital assets, specifically? Digital assets,
1: yes. So we've, uh, we've, we've engaged uh, a number of regulators around that.
0: Cool. Which ones?
1: Um, the, the, the ones that, you
0: know... <laughs> uh, <laughs> regulators. Yeah. The one, ones all we the be- always talk to. All the best regulators. Only the best. <laughs> we talked to the best. My, I, honestly, yesterday I was talking to a regulator, a smart man.
1: Um, you know, it's funny. With the, uh, I'm not want to go too off on a tangent, but I t- I teach blockchain for business at the College of New Jersey, um, DCNJ. and I, DCNJ, yeah, and I put the um, the Trump quote up on a board. Uh, was about
2: Libra? Oh, okay. yeah, and um, which he definitely did not write. Uh, the, 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 no, the tweet, yeah, he did he, not write did that not. tweet. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: but. Um, so what I put it up the on a board.
2: Libre, the Libra. The Libra. Libra. quote: yeah, uh, you yeah.
1: know, Facebook's not going to happen. Yeah. They're going to have to regulate it like a bank. And I put it up on a board, and I have, you know, 24 students in the class, and no one knew who wrote that tweet. <laughs> and I was like, but we started digesting. And they were like, yeah. And so got to get them to understand it. But I thought it was funny that they didn't know who wrote that tweet, but they knew what Libra was.
0: What do you think will become of Libra?
1: Um, what I really liked about Libra was it started the conversation again. Right, it got the attention of the right people, um, most of the right people, and I think it started the conversation again about really what a cryptocurrency is and the power of it. Right, what, what you know, what can this mean to you know the global infrastructure? I love to tell people, you know, the, you've heard this story before. It's like you have 1.7 billion people have access to Facebook through their phone, but they don't have access to a bank. So how do they accumulate wealth? And that's the eureka moment that people understand. So. Um, but I, I I personally really like the way how labor was structured because it took what was um, maybe concerning is the right word about Bitcoin and, and addressed it. You know, it really said okay, Bitcoin's decentralization. They said we're gonna we're gonna kind of centralize that. You know, and so I think it it, it came down to um, looking at an opportunity. They exploited it. Uh, we'll see how it goes. I think uh, you know I'd I'd hate to see it you know quashed because of you know regulatory or governmental concerns. But I also think there's probably you know, a lot of good
0: that could come out of it. How could State Street get involved in Libra?
1: Um, you know, there's any number of ways we can get involved in any you know, initiative like that. Um, so you know, we're, you know, we, we looked at that. We, uh, we digested it. We understood what it was. And you know, we, if the market's going to move in that direction, then we should be prepared and move in that direction.
2: What do you think about the reaction from different central banks now? Almost, it seems like in reaction to Libra, mm-hmm. uh, China being the most loud and vocal about it, but coming out with their own central bank digital currency, um, it was inevitable. Yeah, right?
1: I think it was inevitable. Um, I mean, you have a lot of island nations have already done it. Um, so, and uh, I know there's a lot of uh, countries out there that are looking to digitize it. It's, it's I, I'm wondering if they understand scaling it, right? I, I wonder if they understand that. Um, so, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I I would venture to guess that every you know um, every country, not even emerging countries or, or established countries, are looking. At, it's 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 a more efficient way of you know providing capital and moving uh, payments through the through the through the system.
0: Let's um take a moment to talk a little bit about you and your 20 years of financial services industry history and it's more than 20 years but i appreciate that over t- <laughs> oh no, yeah over 20 years certainly over 20 years not to age you you don't look a day over 39
1: thank you I'm uh, glad this is a blind this is a podcast
0: well i always tell people i have the perfect face for podcasts and we're, you're joined by ryan who who also has the perfect face for a podcast just kidding no no so, comment no comment um
2: we can cut apparently that. we're related i don't know people,
0: people think we look alike when we they post photos of on the twitter well it's i mean the glasses and the like profile you
1: got the same hair the same glasses the same scruff. i mean you know yeah
0: It's uh he's you copied me uh i am younger that's for sure uh talk to us we're, we're gonna cut all that out all that that's the best part you think so <laughs> what do you th- so you kind of alluded to it you know whether it's ticker or cat, there's all these things that are kind of in flux in inequities and in, in, in many other uh, markets, um, it feels like crypto and blockchain digital assets kind of get uh, treated almost unfairly as the redheaded stepchild, but they, every market has their issue. Um, looking back over the past 20 years and more, uh, what can you sort of hearken on that draws an interesting comparison um, that's relevant. So, and you think folks should maybe keep in mind? Keep in I mean, for the last twenty years, um,
1: people have been talking about traders are going to be moving multi-asset. Everything's going to be multi-asset trading, and that really hasn't happened. Um, specialization still exists. So, if you think about equities in the early, you know, the late '80s, early '90s, you had your OTC guys, you had your New York guys, right? Then you had your pinks. Um, that kind of converged. But you, know, you still have your, your bond portfolio manager, bond traders. So multi-asset has never really fulfilled its promise. Everyone says they're multi-asset, but it's still disparate. Digital assets, right? If digital assets are all traded on a blockchain, that means it's all democratized. Everything trades the same way. Everything's modeled the same way. The intelligence is, is out there. So you know, if one of the reasons I'm in this is it fulfills the promise of multi-asset trading. But it opens up the world of all these new assets, right? So, you know, how people um, source capital changes, right? Being able, you know, the the, the true crowdfunding, the true um, uh, sourcing of capital via um, a vehicle that could be on anyone's desktop, as opposed to you know going through traditional investment banks and private equity, um, can be realized on a digital as a digital asset. So I think asset democratization. Is the true, um, you know, the, the the true fulfillment of the idea of multi-asset trading, and the ability, once you're able to multi-asset trade, then people's portfolio models move from being dictated by asset managers, right, one or two assets to individuals. So, you know, we talk about this in our class. It's the opportunity for decentralization and democratization that puts the power back into um, the individual's hand. Because if you think about, and I'm probably going way off on a tangent now, but if you think about what's happened over the last, you know, 30 years of the internet economy, we've lost that individuality. We've lost control of our own data, right? Um, Decentralizing that, right, is a way to, bring a lot of that back and giving the power back to the individual and allowing individuals to get more control of their assets um, and what they can do with those assets. You know, sometimes we talk about, you know, 20 years from now, I'll be able to buy a cup of Starbucks by, you know, selling a um, (laughs) couple shares of Apple. Hopefully, it's not that much, but, you know, just liquidating, um, uh, you know, assets, right? So that's really what, you know... That's the thing that jazzes me and gets me up in the morning is like, you know, watching that happen. Because, you know, watching what happened, you know, to uh, capital markets, you know, over the last, you know, 30 years, um, it's been exciting. But now it's time for that next transition.
0: And- if we actually see that transition happen and you have multi-asset trading kind of become the norm, powered or driven in part by blockchain technology, what does that mean for State Street's business specifically?
1: You know, for State Street, it's an opportunity, right? So, you know, being the uh, the, the custodian um, and the be able to service those assets is really the opportunity. And that's what we've done for, you know, 200-some-odd years. You know, we want to service assets. We want to service the assets of, you know, the largest global um, asset managers and do so in a way that's seamless
0: to them. That's interesting.
1: What are some
0: of... Your most interesting stories from ITG or Fidelity <laughs> or FactSet.
1: Well, you can read all about that in my book, Tales from the Dark Pools. So,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> you know, I mean, if you look, at, we're going way off on a tangent. Did now. you
0: really? Is that is that, uh, is that a book? That's an idea I've had. Yeah. That's an idea. Well, I, w- I was at uh, ITG. In the Tales from the Dark Tales from the Dark Pools. I, dark I mean, pools. Dark Pools now what make up forty percent of
1: yeah. U.S. equity trading? The, uh, I mean, there, there have been some really good interesting stories. I mean, you know, ITG to Liquidnet to Pipeline, which I took over uh, subsequent their, to their SEC. Um, I Mike's would say, nodding.
0: I guess he knows about Pipeline.
1: <laughs> the one year at Pipeline probably would fill about half the book. Uh, great people there. Great, uh, great, but uh, very interesting stories. And, you know, it's like anything else on Wall Street. You know, people have some great, you know, stories of the days they were on the floor of the exchange, and, you know, I probably wouldn't. You know, I definitely wouldn't do it on a podcast, um, but you know, I would think uh, there's some good ideas out there. Um, but yeah, that's my idea. Tell us what would be pool. one
0: of the chapters. Oh,
1: <laughs> the way I would. You do can take
0: it. your time to collect your thoughts. Will you? No, no.
1: I mean, you know, if you look at, I mean, I probably would say the most interesting time was transitioning. You know, from ITG. I mean, to what about the
0: emergence of dark poles? I mean,
1: Certainly, the word "dark pool," right? The, way the word "dark pool" came out, um, and you know, people have actually claimed, you know, who came up with that term. And when it came out, I was—I thought it was like the worst thing they could do was call it dark. Brand it I was darkpool. like hey, branded dark pool. So you think of Voldemort, yeah. you know, and it's and it's like, um, Such a spooky term, You yeah, know, yeah. yeah, and, and it was it was horrible. And I, and I said, I remember we were working. I was working with Seth at the time. I'm like, who, you know, who came up with this term? And I actually researched it. and I answered it on Cora, who actually came up with it. But I can't remember who it was. Um, um, but it was, it was the guy who was at BATS. He was at BATS.
0: He Chris King. No, not. No, not, not. Um, you
1: probably have to pause this, but um, who was he?
0: Who founded BATS? No, he wasn't founded BATS. He took over
1: the BATS options exchange, and then he left when they sold over. He was at TAB at the time. Yeah, it came out. Of, I remember TAB Group had put it in their uh, original uh, thing. I'm going to look it up. If you look up my name on Cora, you'd see it. You're not recording this, right? Yeah. Oh god. I like
0: Voldemort pools. <laughs> was it, oh my God, William O'Brien. Remember that guy? Bill O'Brien. Bill O'Brien. yeah.
1: Brian. Who actually took over Electronify. But I to get back to like some of the stories, I mean, I would say some of the best stories I would have was, you know, when Liquinet decided to bring in the cell side um, with H2O, which I grew which I, which I built. Um, just the internal conflict around that was just off the charts. I mean, we're go, you know we're selling ourselves out to the buy side, and you know if you look at H two O numbers now at Liquidnet, they're they're very compelling. So um, when you start changing the paradigm inside a firm like that, it it could lead to some really good uh, dialogue and debate. Uh, but it was fun. I you know I enjoyed the time there, and that's what I enjoy about State Street now. It's like we're changing things, but we're changing it internally. You know, so you know, people talking about Bitcoin, um, obviously changing that vernacular internally has been a has been a bit of a challenge. But the way they've embraced it has been just great. And I think, um, you know, I, I actually honestly think the way the market evolved in the in a dark pool space in the TCA space is going to evolve just re- as quickly in the um, in a digital space. How
2: fast did that evolve? Like span of two three years or?
1: Um, if you look at you know, I so posit was live in, you know, Instant was live in the early 90s. POSIT came by out in, like, 90, mid-90s. LiquidNet, 2003. By 2007, there were 40-some-odd dark pools. So in between 2005 and 2007, I think 40 came out. Um, and you had the biggest incumbents building them. Yeah, right? UBS so has the biggest dark pool, yeah. UBS, Morgan Stanley, uh, yep, Sigma X at Goldman Sachs. So um, it's going to be, like I said, trickle, trickle, and flood. You know, when ITG was doing Posit, we were doing, you know, we did 20 million shares a day. That was great. Yeah. Right, you know, and, and State Street was a big customer of ours. That's when I first knew about cu- And then we went to LiquidNet and we we're like, oh, if we could just do 20 million shares a day. And then we're doing 100 million shares a day. And people were looking at that. So I think that's really where um, this market will evolve kind of the same way. It's like it's, everyone has the attention on it. Everyone knows where it's going. But you know what? Make it compelling um, and make it cost effective. Because, you know, don't invest in something that, you know, you, you, is still two or three years away. You know, I mean, and like you said, we could have been, you know, in a digital space early on. Any firm could have, right? We could have been in it, but, um, but that wasn't the client base we were looking for. We want to maintain our identity, um, and we also want to provide uh, a seamless transition into digital assets for our clients when that occurs.
0: You recently had your, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the exit of your former global chief technology architect, Do you think that...
2: For the blockchain team? Yeah, for the blockchain team
0: at State Street. Um, You talk about this sort of uh, cultural question at the firm of Bitcoin versus digital assets and, you know, moving away from Bitcoin being at the center, at least at the center of what people are talking about. Um, Was that transition, not to connect it to, to this exit, but? Um, it just raises the question of whether or not there were disagreements over that. Um, no,
1: that, actually that was never really part of any of the uh, conversation. There was nothing around that. You're, you're talking about Moise, right? Yeah. Moise Kahari, Yep. Yeah. yeah. No, that was actually- So a,
0: yeah, so there's no like, you know, Bitcoin versus-
1: No, um, absolutely not. So Moise was uh, the, the distributed ledger technology team, which was a uh, separate work stream mm-hmm. from the digital assets mm-hmm.
2: team, mm-hmm. so. How does that group differ? Like. I, what? Working on similar stuff, or
1: they're pure blockchain. So looking at the, uh, the inner, inner workings of State Street, building around that, we're looking externally to digital assets and oh, building I around see, that. So it'd be kind of like
0: um, talking about you know
1: the um, the fixed group at you know ITG versus the people that are designing TCA.
0: Hundred percent. Okay, so, that's that's important to note. Um, and there are two different north stars, I guess, for those two groups. North Stars. In terms of like what the end goal is? Uh, yeah, that would be fair. Okay, interesting. What's, what's what, can we like pull the kimono back a little bit on uh, your plans for the rest of the year? Okay. Um, what are you excited about? Okay.
1: So, you know, what are we excited about? You know, we're, we're talking to a number of our clients and our clients are very interested in this technology and we're looking at a number of areas um, of opportunity. So, you know, I think that we have a couple of proof of concepts that are very interesting to us. And, are
0: any uh, of them going to move into uh, main, ma- mainstream production anytime soon? That's the idea. I mean,
1: one of the things we stress now with our proof of concepts, we don't want to do one-offs. We want to do something that's scalable to all the parts of the bank, right? So um, a lot of proof of concepts you've seen on the street aren't scalable. You know, can you do this on a blockchain? Can you do that on a blockchain? We really want to say, okay, if we're going to do this, can we do it for... A majority of our clients or all of it and what does it mean for the bank are there efficiencies are there opportunities attached to it and putting even thinking about revenue around that is this an area that the bank is in or is it a new area for the bank and that's the new areas for the bank the opportunities there are really amazing and I think that's We're kind of it, <laughs> <laughs> you know if, if you you know think about the way you do fund administration right you know real-time pricing is an area that's kind of an enigma even in traditional. Um, you know, securities. But, you know, with blockchain securities, real-time pricing is, is something that's a complete, um, you know, completely tangible and doable, you know? So I think that's an area that we would look to move into. You know, servicing, you know, cryptocurrencies is, like I said, is not something we're doing now. But, you know, what does it mean if and when institutions do move into it, and providing the data around them, um, and providing portfolio models around them, it's just that you know the CRD. Providing data
0: around cryptocurrency assets. Uh,
1: providing data about pretty much any asset, right? So, but but you have that desktop now into the portfolio manager, and they're going to be looking for guidance around that. So I, I use the term "digicaps," right? We have we have you know um, small, mid, large cap, but you know when these um, securities become large, they're digicaps. They're a totally different. Um, variety of 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 assets. So you know what we do around the digit caps and the data you provide around that, and incorporating that into models. is just an exciting, you know, you know, it's uh, a new it's landscape, new frontier. Yeah, it's a, it's absolutely a new landscape. It's a whole new ecosystem. Um, and then once that occurs, the traditional assets move in that way as well. So you know, like like I said, it's it's. It is all moving in a direction. It's trickle, trickle, but, you know, that flood, I think, is going to happen
0: eventually. Well, when I talked to Lou, I mean, that's exactly what he said um, about data being the next frontier for State Street. Yep. Um, Incredibly fascinating, and I'm glad we had this conversation um, because I think it's valuable to put, for our readers, the context of what's going on. When you think about State Street, it is often solely associated with well when are you exactly to your point when are you going to custody bitcoin when are you going to custody some of these other assets but there's so many other things going on underneath the hood we tried to examine some of them um and i just think it's fantastic jay thanks so much for coming on the show and I appreciate it. Thanks for hope me. to uh have you again sometime soon right. thanks so much for listening to this episode of the scoop we hope you tune in next time and don't forget to subscribe and favorite wherever you listen to your podcasts We'd like to take a minute to thank our sponsor Cash App. Cash App has been the number one finance app on the App Store for almost two years. It was also the first major peer-to-peer payments app to support Bitcoin and it's still the fastest and easiest way to turn cash into crypto. Cash App now supports Bitcoin deposits in-app, so be sure to move your Bitcoin from whatever wallet you're using to Cash App. Don't have any to deposit? Cash App is also the most convenient way to instantly buy and sell Bitcoin. No more waiting five days for your ACH transfers to come through. With Cash App you can buy Bitcoin instantly. When you're ready to take full ownership of your private keys, just use Cash App to scan an external wallet's QR code. It's really that simple. Cash App also comes with standard banking features like direct deposits and others your bank would never even consider like Cash Card, a customizable debit card that lets you instantly save every time you use it at Lyft, Whole Foods, and places like Chick-fil-A. Download Cash App today from the App Store or Google Play, and I hope you enjoy the episode.